All right. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to read from Psalm number 40. Just as you're looking that up, if you want to, what, what amazing worship, what beautiful singing, beautiful worship. And uh, it's so relevant to uh, what I actually want to share this morning, something that's been on my heart for two or three weeks. Um, I, I shared some of this with Storehouse Church in Kilsyth just last weekend, but I felt I wanted to share these thoughts with you as well, plus some extra thoughts that I didn't share on that occasion. So Psalm 40, and we're going to read the first three verses and then the last couple of verses. So Psalm 40, well-known words, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And then going towards the end of the psalm, verse 16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You're my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. And then just a few verses from 1 Samuel. A few verses from 1 Samuel, reading from chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read about Samuel's mother, Hannah. Uh, she was childless, and she was finding that particularly uh, hard to bear. And she prays to the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed, <clears throat> pardon me, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me <clears throat> and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And then a few words from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. <clears throat> and Samuel grew, <clears throat> and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Well, amen, and we thank God for his word and pray that he'll speak to us through his word this morning as we consider it uh, together. I hope you can hear me. There's torrential rain uh, falling on the roof at the moment, so I hope you can hear me uh, through that. Uh, I don't know if I, I've shared with you before, but um, at Father's Day, my two children uh, gave me a, a record player, one of these uh, portable 
suitcase type record players. Shows you I'm not much of a prophet. Uh, many years ago now, when uh, LPs were giving way to cassettes and then to to fling them all out. But then, of course, uh, vinyl records, LP, are quite an in thing at the moment. And uh, I wish I hadn't got uh, rid of all my records from my teenage year, as a teenage years, as it were. But uh, as well as getting that record player, I'm needing to get records now to play in it. And my wife actually gave me one. And uh, it's not one that I would have listened to in my teenage years for sure. It's actually a, a record of Gaelic Sam singing. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard Gaelic Sam singing, you probably have. But the reason she gave me that uh, was that quite a few years ago now, I was taking the English speaking services during a communion season in North US. And communion seasons were, were, were just that. They, were, they, they lasted over a, a weekend. And they were almost like mini conferences because uh, other churches would come to whatever church on the island was having their communion season. And it was really a good time. It was a sort of get together uh, of the wider gathering of the Christian community in the islands. And uh, there would be Gaelic services and English speaking services. And uh, I met this Gaelic speaking minister and honestly, I don't think I've ever met anyone from whom the grace and love of God was pouring out in such a, a beautiful, beautiful way. And because of that, even though I don't speak a word of Gaelic, I, I went to the Gaelic speaking services. And, you know, I'd never sat in a Gaelic service before. And when they started to sing the Psalms, that the hair on the back of my neck just sort of stood up. It was really awesome, it was beautiful, it was mysterious. You'll probably know that the form that one man called the presenter, he, he feeds out the line uh, of the psalm and then the congregation pick it up and sing it after him and it really is a most mysterious sound. And ever since then, when I was in that service and the presence of God was so fully there, and the grace of God was just streaming from this man, John Murdo Smith's face. I, I've really loved the sound of Gaelic Sam singing. And so my wife gave me a record of that. And I've been using that in my own devotions, that as they're singing the Gaelic Psalms, I'll look up in my Bible the psalm that they're singing. And one of the psalms in that LP is Psalm 40, the one that we read this morning. And, you know, I just really want to focus on the first verse of that psalm because it's very relevant at this time when we're waiting to get back into our church buildings, while we're waiting to get on with things in life and uh, while we're waiting to pick up the reins, as it were, again. It, it's very relevant, this first verse of Psalm 40. Do you remember what we read? I waited patiently for the Lord. <clears throat> I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. You know, there's two words there that don't sit easily together for me. 
it's the thought of waiting and putting that together with the word patiently. That seems to me a difficult combination. I always find it difficult to wait patiently. I can wait impatiently, but to wait patiently really for me takes the grace of God. I don't know whether it's just I'm of that generation, as it were, and my generation and people younger than me find it difficult to wait for anything. When I first started my ministry, it was in Linlithgow as an assistant minister there. And I used to visit elderly people that were shut in and couldn't come to the church. And, you know, they said to me, you know, you young people uh, who are just married, and that was true for myself and Morag. We just got married and, and came back from honeymoon and started in this uh, church in Linlithgow as, as an assistant minister with my new wife. And, you know, these elderly couples would say to me, you young married people, when we were married, we had nothing. And we had to wait and we had to work. And they said, you know, thought, you know what? I, I think we were happier. I think that uh, waiting and working for things it actually gave us more pleasure when we actually achieved these things. But nowadays, you start out with everything. You don't have to wait for anything. I wonder if we've become less good at waiting as the generations pass. Think even of computers. Isn't it amazing that we'll buy a new laptop or a new iPad or whatever it may be, uh, and we'll buy it just because it will do something one second quicker than the old one. Even waiting a second can become intolerable for us. And yet waiting is actually a sign of human maturity and a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a sign we're getting somewhere it's a sign that we're actually beginning to grow up. Children find it very hard to wait, don't they? I remember my daughter, Sarah, she was, she was extremely good with language when she was very young. And I, I remember her when she was very young. I think she'd have been under two. This shows her sense of humor. She had a wonderful sense of humor at a very early age as well as very good use of language. And she was pestering her mother for her dinner and Morag was busy with something in the house <clears throat> and she just kept saying to Sarah, I'll, I'll get your dinner in a minute, I'll get your dinner in a minute. And uh, as Sarah kept on persisting with her request for her dinner now. And eventually Morag said, look, I'm doing this and then I'm doing that and then I'll get your dinner. Understood. And Sarah just looked at her mum and said, understood wants her dinner. Children find it very hard to wait. But do you know what psychologists say? That delayed gratification, in other words, not getting something now in order to get something more in the future, that's a sign that we're beginning to gain maturity. I wonder if we can bring that into this waiting time during the coronavirus. I know things are beginning to unlock as it were, but things haven't yet really unlocked for churches. I don't quite get it that regulations are more strict for 
churches and for pubs. But we have to obey the government as we're commanded to do in the word of God. And uh, we're still able to gather together in this way, but we long that this way didn't need to be. And we're waiting for the time when some of these restrictions are lifted. But I'm still wondering if God is keeping us in this waiting time. Not the Scottish government, as it were, but I wonder if deeper than that, it is the Lord who is keeping us in this waiting time. Do you remember what I said about maturity being about delayed gratification, foregoing something now in order for something better that we want in the future? Well, let's spiritualize that a wee bit. I wonder if God intends better things for us in the future as his church, as his people in Scotland, in Moody'sburn, in wherever. And somehow that's connected with this waiting time. Do you know, it just strikes me almost with a fear. But, but I, I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this, but when I read the story of the Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost, there's this sort of cold fear almost grips my heart. And I can put the fear like this. What if these 120 believers had stopped praying one day before Pentecost? What if they'd stopped waiting and stopped praying? What if they'd stopped waiting one hour before Pentecost? What if they'd stopped that being together, enjoying one another's fellowship, waiting, praying, one minute before Pentecost? Would they have missed the mighty hurricane? If they'd interrupted their waiting by thinking, we may as well just get on with other things. If they'd interrupted that waiting time, would the hurricane ever have been? You know, it's a fearful thing when you read the Bible just to read what can happen if we refuse to wait. Do you remember the story of Saul, the beginning of the slide, as it were? Do you remember how it happened that he was at Gilgal and the Israelites were gathering around him at Gilgal and, uh, and they were beginning to get edgy and Samuel had promised that he would come and he would offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Because remember, Samuel was a prophet, but he was also a priest. He was descended from the tribe of Levi. And only priests had the authority to offer a sacrifice. And Saul didn't wait for Samuel. When he saw that people were getting edgy, he offered the sacrifice himself. And Samuel makes it very clear that because of that, the Lord is actually going to reject him and he's going to find a man after his own heart to rule in his place. All because Saul would not wait. And the very minute after he offered the sacrifice, Samuel showed up. If he'd waited one minute longer, but he didn't, 
cut his waiting short by one minute. Isn't that a fearful thought? I really believe that we need to see this time as a time of waiting in the Lord's presence that the Lord is commanding us to do as well as inviting us into and that we remain in that place of waiting, that place of praying as long as the Lord tells us to. It's so easy to think we should rush on with activity. And can I just encourage you, once the government makes it possible to rush on with activity as a church, will you continue just to wait in the Lord's presence and to hear from him what he wants you to take up and what he wants you to leave? And will you wait in his presence as long as that word is there from him? Regardless of what the government allows, will you wait until you hear the word of the Lord? You know, part of leadership is holding when other people get nervy. And so couldn't do that and because he couldn't do that things went so awry i remember going out to a meeting once and i was just asking the lord i had my my talk prepared and myself prepared but on the cut in the car on the way there i just asked the lord is there anything that you want to show me any any more specific thing as it were that i've maybe missed that you want to say and i got a picture of that scene from braveheart where Wallace, it's the Battle of Stirling Bridge, and his, his troops are getting very nervy because they've just got these very rudimentary weapons against Edward's cavalry. But Wallace has invented these pikes, these pikes made out of tall trees, and they're lying in the ground. And you can see that his troops are just itching to pick these up. But Wallace just says, hold. And they get more and more nervous as the cavalry gets closer. Hold. And the cavalry gets closer. Hold. And the leader says, hold, as the cavalry gets closer. Don't panic. Hold. And then right at the last moment, he says, no. And the waiting is over. And they pick up the pikes. And they win a victory over Edward's cavalry. And I said to the Lord, oh, I see you're wanting, I was going to speak about the fullness of the Spirit, and I felt, I said to the Lord, so I see what you're saying, I had to wait many years for a fresh touch of the Spirit of God, and what you're wanting me to say to these people is, why don't you wait in the presence of the Lord for a fresh uh, touch of God's Spirit? And he said, no, Kenny, I'm wanting to know why did you not hold? When I touched you by my spirit, it was as though you scampered off thinking that's all there was. Why did you not hold for more still? Why did you not wait for an even greater clothing of power from on high? I think that's the challenge I want to bring to you. That even as lockdown eases, it may be that the Lord is calling you to continue to wait 
and to keep waiting. It's hard to wait. There's something in us that wants to rush on. I could well imagine these early disciples saying, what on earth do we need to wait for? We, we, we know that Christ has risen from the dead. We've seen him raised from the dead. What a message we've got to declare to the world. We've even begun to under, understand his cross. We never really understood it, but he's opened our minds and our hearts to understand from the scriptures, from the law, from the prophets, all the things concerning himself, that it was necessary for him, the Christ, to suffer and then to enter his glory. What do we need to wait for? Let's get on with things. But Jesus told them to wait, and they did wait. And because they delayed that good thing of just getting on with things, they entered, in, entered into something even greater, even more wonderful. And so I'm encouraging you to wait patiently for the Lord. And it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do it as a church. It's not easy for us to do it personally. Maybe some of you are in the midst of a waiting time and it seems pretty pointless and you're trying your best to pray and you're trying your best to trust. It's not easy to wait. Sometimes we think that the point where we need God to do something has come and gone and passed, and we're still waiting. I remember when the Lord showed me something. It was our guinea pig's second birthday when the children were young. And we discovered that one of the guinea pigs had a lump on their side, and I had to take it to the vets, and I had this all I could see were two alternatives. Either he was going to put the guinea pig down on his second birthday or he was going to allow us to take the guinea pig home and have its birthday party and then bring it back to get put down. I could only see options A or B uh, and neither of them looked good. And, you know, all the bit did, it was pretty disgusting. He made a wee hole and he squeezed out this hideous, greasy stuff and the guinea pig was fine. And on the way back to celebrate the guinea pig's uh, birthday, I felt the Lord speaking to me. I don't mean that too spiritually. Just, this was just the thought I felt he was trying to get through to me. He said, Kenny, you only saw options A and B. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am A and Z. I'm the beginning and the end. And when you can only see A or B concerning a situation that's concerning you, I can see and do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, right through to Z, back again, and all the other alphabets in the world. I'm God. Sometimes what makes waiting difficult is that we try and look out in the horizon and we could try and imagine how God is going to answer and we can only see option A or maybe B or maybe C as we look out to the horizon. Maybe he'll do this, maybe he'll do that. And then we run out of ideas. God is God and there's never a time when we wait upon him that it's too late for the Lord to act. He's got options A, B right through to Z. I wonder if you're scanning the horizon, waiting, 
Maybe it's about your health, maybe it's about a family member, a loved one, something that you're anxious about. Another thing the Lord said to me once was, put away the abacus, you know, an abacus with all the wee beads on it, and you work out the answers to sums on it, as it were. And I was worried about a situation, and God just said to me, can you put the abacus away? Stop trying to work it out. Just trust me. It's not too late for me to act. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus is always, of course, the example of everything. You'd have thought that as he hung on the cross, as it were, surely the time was over for the Lord to act. But Jesus even knew that beyond death, his father could still act. And he said, Father, I into your hands, I commit my spirit. He entrusted himself to a faithful God, to a faithful creator, that even beyond death, there was a light that is coming. Do you remember the beautiful worship? I can see a light that is coming for those who hold on. And there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you, Father. Though the abacus can't make sense of it, and looking out at the horizon, nobody can see anything that you can do for me now, Father. I trust you. And I enter this valley trusting in you. And the Lord raised him up. You know, I've been trying to get more and more simple in my preaching over the years. For about 20, 30 years, I came before the Lord and said, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do in terms of my preaching? And he would say, Kenny, get simpler still. I, I, preaching isn't for showing off knowledge. It's for helping the people of God. And I try and speak very, very simply now. I also try and pray very, very simply. I've never felt I've been very good at praying, but lately the Lord seems to have been saying to me in my praying, what he said to me about my preaching gets simpler still. So I'll tell you what my prayer times sound like now. They sound like this. Lord, here I am and here you are. I love you and you love me. And I'm just wanting to spend time in your presence. So a wee bit more complicated than John Wimber's prayers. John Wimber had two prayers. Oh God, help. And oh God, oh God, oh God. Well, here's my simple prayers. Here I am, Lord, and here you are. I love you and you love me. I just want to spend time in your presence. And as I do that, I just share with them what I'm feeling, thinking. And thoughts come to mind that I think are probably him trying to speak to me. And as I was holding this whole coronavirus thing before the Lord and actually thinking about Moody's burn, 
but also thinking onwards to you, you probably know I'm going up to Lewis for a wee while. And as I was holding all of that before the Lord, I really did feel that this thought came to mind. It was just the phrase from 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3. The Lord appeared again at Shiloh. Shiloh was the capital, as it were, the priestly capital of Israel before Jerusalem was ever uh, figured in any way, in any shape or form in Israel's story. But things were in trouble at Shiloh. There was immorality amongst the priesthood and there wasn't really ever any word from the Lord or any vision or any sign of his presence. But with Samuel, the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. He started to make his name and his presence known by judgment and mercy, by miracle, by mighty deed. By his word that came to pass. I wonder if God wants to get us to get hold of this in our time of waiting, that this is a time of delayed gratification for this wonderful hope. The Lord is going to appear again in Scotland, in Moody'sburn, in Lewis, in wherever there are people waiting for him. Because remember, remember how the story of Samuel began. It began with a distressed woman saying, remember me. Hannah's prayer, remember me. And that simple word has now become part of my prayer vocabulary. Lord, here I am and here you are. I love you. You love me. I'm waiting in your presence, Lord. Remember me. You know, the word remember is an interesting one in scripture. The Lord remembered Noah. The Lord remembered Rachel. And the word remember in scripture is after apparently a time of no divine activity. It's a word that involves God giving attention to something with the intention of acting and doing something. When we say, Lord, remember me, we're not thinking that God forgets other than forgetting our sin when we confess and put it under the blood. But what we're really, really appealing to is, Lord, would you focus your attention on me? Would you look my way? And in this time of waiting, where I'm not very sure where you are, what you're doing, I pray that that time of uncertainty will give way to a time of fresh action, fresh glory, a fresh work of the God of heaven. When I'm asking you to remember me, I'm actually asking you to appear in the silence. And I'll continue to wait in the silence until you do. Lord, remember me. 
Lord, here we are as Moody's Burning Church, and here you are. You love us, and we love you. We're just coming into your presence and saying, remember us. Remember Moody's Burning. Remember Scotland. And remember me personally. If you require me to wait, then I'll wait, because I know as I wait, I will again, the opening worship, renew my strength. I'll rise up, I'll soar with wings as an eagle. But as I wait, I'm saying remember, with all that that word means, that the silence will end, that you'll intervene with fresh action, in this church, in my life. That the Lord will again appear in Moody'sburn and make himself known. That as I look out on a horizon and can't see where you'll come from or what you'll do for me, I'm trusting that you'll remember me. Let me just pray for you briefly. I'd invite you to shut your eyes and I just want to focus in on those of you who are waiting personally and you're just finding it difficult. And just with that in mind, as you shut your eyes, let me just read the words of Psalm 130. And Psalm 131. And I pray that they'll bring you comfort and hope as you wait. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Father, I pray for those who feel that personally they're in a waiting time. That if that's true of us, you'll renew our hope as we wait. That you'll quieten our fears and our worries. That will not occupy our minds with working out how you're going to do things, fix things, answer our prayers. That will stop feverishly scanning the horizon for rescue. That will throw away the abacus. And we'll trust you are the Alpha and the Omega. And our souls will be like a weaned child with its mother. May it be so, Lord. 
And may it be so for Middlesbrough Church as well, that in this time of waiting, there'll be no worry, no feverishly scanning the horizon. What will we do? What should we be doing? Should we be doing this? Should we be doing that? Not trusting in human thinking, logic or strategies. But may there just be a waiting before the Lord. The Lord who remembers. The Lord who notices. The Lord who rouses himself to activity. Help us, Lord, to wait. Knowing that there will be an end to the troubles for those who hold on. May you, Lord, appear again in action, in mercy, in word, in fulfilled word, and in deed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I pray the word will bless you.